0: What I'm hoping to do in the next you know, five or ten minutes is to show you that product market fit is not a simple thing. It's actually very important to double click on it and figure out actually go to market fit. So in Greg's case, I think he talked about you know, this whole idea of coming up with market segments. And how many years were you into your business when you, when you realized that this was important?
1: Well, I, we weren't all done. But, uh, yeah. it, it, So we we listed them on day one, but we didn't understand the true complexity of a lot of them until year three or four. For example, the word medical imaging is actually diagnostic, interventional, and then 10
0: subspecialties under that? Exactly. It's segments within segments within segments. And this is the thing I'm going to encourage you to do. When you look at product market fit, don't think about your market as medical. Think about it as medical imaging and then go down into the next segment, or the next segment until you can really figure out what is the basis on which to uh, target your product. So when you talk about minimal viable product, yeah, you might shrink your product down to a small piece, but it's still, unless you've figured out which segment to go after, a large area for that product to cover. And so it's all about trying to find this fit. So it's actually hard to put this up in, in pure uh, simple graphics. So I'm going to actually use the whiteboard to do this with you, and then we'll, we'll use my slide afterwards. So um, actually, let me steal one of these ones here so we can keep Greg's stuff up. So the idea that I, I want you to think about is as follows. If you could find a bullseye to initially target, and the bullseye was incredibly well defined, was very tightly defined, and your product perfectly mapped it, then you would have a product market fit. And if you could keep that as a consistent fit, as you went customer after customer, then you'd be very successful. But usually what I see is this. People define their MVP. They say they've got this marketplace, for example, medical. And now they go out and they start talking to customers. They find one over here, one over here, one over here, maybe one over here, one over here. Which one do you pick? Which one's right? And if you just go down the typical process that most people go down, what they'll do is they'll start building features for this person, start building features for this one, maybe pick a few there. And pretty soon, what happens to your minimal viable product? (laughs) It starts becoming a pretty big product. It adds a lot of features, a lot of functionality. And what you've really done is just expand your need for resources, the one thing you don't have lots of. You don't have enough engineers. You don't have enough cash. You're trying to actually conserve that until you get to some repeatability. So what I want you to do is this. I want you to do the exact opposite. I want you to look at every single one of these guys and say, what is their need? What's their pain? And how can I find one or two of these that line up, that actually have exactly the same pain and need? And when you do that, two things happen. Number one is your product, as you move to match those needs, doesn't change. So now you don't have to expand the footprint of your product. And number two is your roadmap for your business about how you meet those needs is completely consistent. You'll find the same channels to go after them, the same messaging and positioning, the same tactics, and so forth. And I purposely drew this on a diagonal because the mistake that most people make is to say, oh, a vertical or a segment, oh, that must be SMB, or maybe it's medical versus government, or maybe it's financial versus uh, consumer, whatever. The reality is it sometimes doesn't fit neatly like that. It's actually sometimes completely different to that. It might be people who have a specific, um, for example, compliance need. And compliance might work across, for example, pharma and financial services. In fact, it might be anybody, just to give you an example, who has the uh, need to trade derivatives. And that's actually any Fortune 1000 company that does anything internationally. So it may fit across multiple verticals. and so. The point about a segment is it may be unique to your particular product, and it may not be neatly defined. So I'll try to just show this to you on on a slide so you can get beyond my handwriting. So we're trying to avoid this stretch, this fit and stretch (coughs) problem that first occurs by trying to go after too many needs that are dissimilar to start off with. And instead what we're trying to find is a product market fit solution where every one of these uh, needs that you identify is the same. And at that point you have what I call a minimum viable segment. So the minimum viable segment can be tested very simply. It gets tested by do things repeat without you having to change your product and change the way you go to market. If they do, you've found a segment. And what I mean by repeat is literally customer by customer can you meet their needs. And as you repeat your product, does it say the same? And if it does, you're onto a winner. You're now going to be able to continue to move this business forward without adding more cash, adding more engineers, trying to change your marketing every time you go out to market. And it's a tremendously magical thing because another great thing comes out of it. You get referenceability. You start to dominate this segment where now, with one, two, or three customers who all have the same needs, who can talk to each other and say, Yeah, I'm getting the same benefit as you you start to become known as the leader in this segment. And because it's not big, hopefully you've been nice and defined about it, you can dominate it really early on and quickly define yourself as being the market leader for 3D CAD CAM in whatever it might be, engineering and so forth. And that's what we want to get you to. We want to get you to a place where early on as a startup, you're starting to have traction. So I'm getting lots of hands up, so let me pause here. Go ahead. So I want to know, how do you find these pain points and how do you get these prospective customers to talk about their pain,
1: okay, the, the problems that, that they
0: have? Um, I'm going to repeat that question, but in case anybody else wants the mic. How do you find these customers, and how do you find their pain points to repeat? John, do you want to take a shot at that? You've, you've done this many times before.
1: I'd love to tell you that it's a really simple solution. It's this. It's shoe leather. Um, I, think, I think the point that Michael's making is There are so many people, you you, you want to get rid of the people that that sort of show you all the buying signals. I'll share some one of the failures of a company that I I led called Cloud Switch, where right after the the 2008 credit crisis, it was a company that was helping basically people take their data centers and extend it to the cloud. And every customer I went to, I mean, I saw buying signals like I've never seen before. People leaning in, people kind of wanting to get started, but nobody was willing to necessarily write a check some did but then closed looping it uh, people wrote checks for the wrong reason <laughs> and so I think the, the answer to it is you just got to get out of the office and you got to get in front of people and so try and pick p- two or three people in a segment in the same segment and if two or three people sort of say no guess what? It's probably they the, the worst is not the people that say no the worst is the people that say yes and then so you got to grade it yourself to sort of say are they saying yes to be polite or yes they're interested are they giving you the Japanese yes like yes I heard you but not yes that I want to move forward so that's what you gotta look for and I think the danger is the danger is, is is when it's biased and what I mean by that is if it's only you going to that customer or a couple of customers that's dangerous if you have a partner or somebody else you can have to help you kinda um, balance your view I think that's also very powerful and beneficial but it's shoe leather you just gotta get in front of a lot of people and categorize it. Same segment, different
0: customers, different different vertical segment, whatever. So I, I really think, by the way, uh, there's no possible way that, that I could have said that better. You really do have to get out, meet, greet, and go through a lot of kissing of frogs before you figure out you know, where your prince is. But in particular, what I do recommend is this. And I'm sure John did this in many different ways, which is create your score sheet, your scorecard. And um, it's going to ev- evolve. And you saw the way I put out you know, the dots. In effect, you want to create, every time you hear a need, try to get really specific with the customer. Ask them over and over again, did you hear the need right? What is this particular need? And what if, what if I solved it? What particular problem would I be solving for you? And then here's the critical piece. And what would you pay for that? And don't forget to ask that question. And then, if you really feel like you've got them at the place where they say that they will pay for it, ask them, okay, so would you be willing to write me a check in advance? I'm not saying you're going to get this a lot of times, but you know you're onto a winner if the answer is yes. And actually, I've started two companies where I had checks before I got any funding from customers. M- Michael, so, can, I, can I just yeah, give one, ahead.
1: I'll give you one visual to take away, because it may not be a lot of things you hear tonight, but I think this is one of the most important. Way back in the time machine, there was a company called Computer Vision. That's where John herstick was the founder of SolidWorks. And he and I met and worked together. And Computer Vision was getting crushed by this company called PTC at the time. And, um, and Computer Vision spent, I think, probably 50, maybe even $100 million trying to build a next generation product. And they were all over the map. And I remember John herstick going out to San Diego and met the development team out there. And the guys that were running the project were kind of frustrated because they weren't getting any traction, they weren't making progress. And one of the guys, uh, I probably shouldn't say his name, but he, he uh, I'll call him R, because that was his first name. Uh, he said, John, what, what should we do? And I think this is a visual. I'm a visual person. Put this in your mind. He sort of said, I would padlock the door, and I put a big sign that said, nobody can come in here until they sit down with at least three customers. So th- when you ask the question about it, it's shoe leather padlock the
0: door get out of the office and go talk to a bunch of people great so just to keep us on track I'm, I'm gonna move on to the sort of the follow-on from this so the, this hopefully is now very clear to you we have a challenge to move from minimum viable product to minimum viable segment if you do it right once you've figured out your minimum viable product and you've got your segment sorted out then you get a repeatable product and you know you're onto a winner when you're starting to do that and in, in the answer to your question, by the way, what happens is these needs need to line up. If they're over here and over here and over here, you've got your problem occurring again and you want to be willing to throw these out in order to stay on this. So let's wrap this segment uh, just because I want to give you enough of a, a framework that when John comes up, you can see it all fit together. Hopefully you now understand that if we can get this minimum viable segment, we're going to find a way to keep your product, product footprint and resources Focused and we're going to be able to get people who with the same needs will reference each other And ultimately you'll be able to get beachhead uh, a segment that you can dominate that will ultimately be the place that you build off Now there is one thing that I've also taught in the value prop class But I want to cover quickly here and that is trying to find a segment where it's not just a nice to have need It's a blatant critical need especially if in the in the business to business world And so I'm going to use an example that I live with every day because mobile is so hot that I see dozens of mobile startups all the time, and they all come in and say the same thing. Well, there's a billion smartphones out there now, and so if I get 2% of that marketplace with this new app, I'm going to have a really successful business at $4.99 an app. Sounds great. Reality is a little different. The reality is there are a lot of people who could potentially use a mobile app. So how do you zero in on a segment that's actually going to have a real pain point and a real critical need? And this is really just designed to give you an example of it. What if you said instead of anybody with a mobile phone, you said, well, mobile professionals. Well, that's at least perhaps now getting into the business world as opposed to just consumer. But there's a lot of mobile professionals. What if you then said field workers? And those are as opposed to desk workers. And what if you said people who are out in the field servicing goods uh, and products as opposed to salespeople? Now you're narrowing it down again. What if you then said servicing medical equipment as opposed to just, for example, fax machines. Well, if not fax machines, Geez, I'm dating myself. Um, for example, you know, postal machines, um, you know, the classic office equipment. Um, and instead of, of businesses, you said within hospitals, and then you said, let's go one step further, that f- those machines were being used for critical care. So now we've got all the way down to a place where, instead of, for example, doing something that is not mission critical, if these machines are not serviced, somebody dies. OK, now I think we've got to a critical need. People care about that. So we've actually just taken a path that has got nothing to do with the particular size of the business or you know, particular feature function. What we've done is we've figured out where there is a pain point where you need a mobile professional who can go out in the field and service medical equipment in hospitals for critical care, where if it isn't done, people die. That's what I want you to do when you come and talk to me about building your business. Figure out where is there a blatant critical need that will have such an impact that you just can't live without it. And that's what this segmentation exercise should really be about, is figuring out how to both get those repeatability, uh, repeatable uh, requirements, but also in in an area where people really care about it. Now you've answered that value question that I was talking about as well, which is to say, If you solve this problem, is it valuable? So it's not just a viable product, it's a valuable product. Make sense? see a lot of people nodding. So putting all that together, this is no longer just product market fit, it's about uh, go-to-market fit. It's about narrowing your target, segmenting it, and it's vital as I mentioned right up front for everything being consistent for messaging and positioning all the way through to how you deliver your product. And those of you who have seen my classes before will know that I'm never going to give up on this subject. The number one thing I wish startups did more of is focus and as narrow as possible to start off with. What people always come into my office and do, I've actually rubbed the diagram out, but is they come in and they say, well, we've got this big market opportunity. I'm delighted to hear that. But if you go after it all at once, it's going to be like boiling the ocean. And so what we're always trying to get you to do is think about those small segments that you can uh, dominate to start off with. And I wish that the story wasn't this way around, but most startups fail because they've tried to do too much and they end up contracting on failure. I would far rather you could expand on success even if it is one customer at a time. And the most successful companies do that. They figure out how to build up from that success on each of those particular problems that line up one customer at a time. So, because people ask me this all the time, there's a post up on my site about it. How do you get the balance between wanting to get somebody excited about a big market and at the same time starting with something very small? And the post is entitled Vision Versus Execution. But I keep getting more challenges about it. Uh, even with the post I've added add to this following diagram think about Greg he had his technology breakthrough he figured out how he could you know create a display uh, out of thin air which is stunning Uh, so he had a vision and obviously he went through a lot of execution to get through this what if we'd helped Greg in advance write out a roadmap to say Greg over the next several years we're going to turn that into a feature a product a solution for a particular marketplace that you can ultimately build a company around with a business model etc if we could have set that roadmap up for him in advance, life would have been a lot easier because he would be constantly validating. He's nodding, so I'm, I, I must be on the right track here. And for you as product people, because a lot of product people say, well, I don't want to hear about the business stuff. I want to hear what would it mean for you as a product? It's basic things. You know, how do you get usability up front? How do you get partners and services and whole product in your product? How do you get the solution into uh, the hands of real customers that become referenceable? How do you get the market segmented when your beachheads get repeatability on it? And then how do you get to a place where you now can afford to actually involve uh, you know, the next set of engineers to build a product line that gives you a scalable business that ultimately turns profitable? It, it isn't actually a lot more complicated than that. There's just a ton of execution in it. Um, and along the way, you know, you'll be building a team that can do that. And as actually, you were hearing from John, a lot of the challenge here is figuring out how to do that at scale. So I'll give you one you know, simple view of a roadmap And I give you one startup secret to go with it. You know if you're on the right track, if you always validate this from the customer standpoint. So yes, I sit in a lot of board meetings. I'm very happy to do so. But I am absolutely the most irrelevant person to impress in the board meeting. Who cares what I think? I would far rather you came in and said, here are the 10 customers that care about this, this, and this, rather than, hey, we met our cash flow forecast. It's meaningless whether you hit your cash flow forecast. What matters is that you're answering a customer need and that you're proving to me that you've moved from having just a feature to a place where customers are buying it repeatedly. That matters. That means you're moving down this roadmap. And so, no matter what anybody tells you, create the basics for uh, metrics to validate along this roadmap that are external. Figure out whether it's a net promoter score, which some people love and others hate, or that it's retention. An upsell which drive huge amounts of value or lifetime value, whatever it is that you want to use. make sure it's customer-based. If you've got customer-based metrics to validate your progress or on the roadmap, you are going to know whether you're on the track to building a, a feature, a product or a company. And so this is I'll add to that post because people keep asking me about it, uh, and hopefully this gives you a sense of this.